Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning into our podcast to listen in to Sunday's message. Uh, sometimes when you're listening into the audio version, since you might not have been able to see it on Zoom, you miss a few things. So just to update you, in this first minute, we were just having a bit of fun since it's Joy Week during the season of Advent, reviewing some of the classic Advent memes. So that's what we're talking about for the first minute, and then it'll make a lot more sense from there on. All right, thanks. Enjoy. Hope it's helpful for you as you look toward Jesus this Advent. Here we go. This is one of the classics. We'll give him gold and frankincense, but wait, there's mirth. I hope you're all laughing, because if you're not laughing, this is just like one of those really, really bad comic routines. And of course, our last one deals directly for all of you who love the church calendar, only owns pink pants for one reason, the third week of Advent. So next year, if you did not get a chance to participate um, with the joy of pink, you can wear pink next year um, or find some pink to drape around your house or buy a pink candle for the third week of Advent because it's joyful. All right. So the point was to, to laugh together. I have no idea if you laughed or not. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's one of the challenges of this world right now that, that we're in. Um, but I'm just going to imagine that you all found that really, really hilarious as we start. Okay, so let's, let's get a lot more serious right now. I want to talk about the movie Trolls for a minute. So if you're familiar um, with, uh, with the movie Trolls, I, I feel like I'm somewhat of an authority on animated films designed for young audiences because of my family. But uh, so the story of Trolls is uh, so the story of trolls is this this movie where these little neon-haired creatures uh, that sing pop music, uh, hug every half hour, and love to scrapbook with glitter are the main characters. Okay, and and they're just these happy people that all they do all the time is they're just happy. Let me help here. Less reflection. There we go. <clears throat> so all they do is just they sing and they dance and they love everything about life. They're just such happy little people. And then you've got on the other side of the storyline these giants that are called the Bergens. And the Bergens are miserable creatures who are never happy because they only know that one thing can make them happy. And that one thing that can make them happy is eating a troll. So one day every year they have this holiday they call Trollstice. And on Trollstice they capture trolls, they eat them, and because trolls are filled with Apparently, like, like warm, gooey goodness, um, they get happy for one day. And then for the next 364 days of the year, they are miserable, they are lonely, they are angry, they are irritable, and they just wait around for Trollstice to come the next year so that they can have one day to be happy. And, and so uh, the moral of the story later becomes, and I won't give too many things away, but you might be able to see it coming, the Bergens learn that happiness, that joy, is actually accessible more than just on Trollstice, more than just one day of the year. And on the flip side, the trolls learn that being honest about feelings and, and being able to dive into the more complex realities doesn't take away the joy of happiness. So, so everybody kind of comes away learning uh, a more robust understanding of what it is. But the, the point is that that there is new information received. These Bergens, they didn't realize that there was happiness that was accessible outside of that external thing that they thought they had to do, right? So the story of Advent is the story of receiving certain new information, 
certain new insights, uh, certain new understandings of what's true, and that new knowledge, what it does is it changes us. That's the story of Advent. We hear something, we look towards something, we, we gain a fresh understanding, and we are changed because of it. Hearing the news, receiving the news of the good news of what is coming and what has come transforms us. Uh, in, in Luke 2, uh, in, chapter, or in verse 10 and 11, the, uh, I, Ben alluded to it just a, a few minutes ago, but the, the shepherds are on, are, are on the fields. They're, you know, they're just a bunch of dudes. They're abiding, right? Abiding uh, guys hanging out in the field, and, and this angel appears to them, and this angel says one thing specifically, and he says, I am going to bring you good news that will be of great joy for all people. Angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. And so the shepherds hear this, and the shepherds are not people that normally are the ones to receive good news. We're not getting into it today too much, but they're kind of the bottom rung of of society. Uh, They're not trusted. They're certainly not the... uh, the elite or the, the ones that get special treatment, they're the, the, worst, the worst ones, the ones that everyone overlooks. Kind of the, the loners, the recluses, that is what the shepherds had become during the time of Jesus. And they get the message that there is good news coming and that it's going to bring great joy for all people. And it has to do with the birth of the Messiah. Okay? And, and so here's the thing, though. They go out, they check it out, they meet the baby Jesus, they have this incredible night, they tell the townspeople what's going on, and then they return to their fields. They have this experience, and then they return to their fields. But they had received incredible knowledge that was changed, that, that, was, that was transformative for them. Um, they had experienced the presence of a true king, and that news, you know, do you, do you think that news changed them permanently? I'm inclined to believe it did. That, that from that point on, they knew something fresh. Here's the thing, though. For the next 30 years, many of them may not have even been impacted by this life. Not yet, but they had news. They had an experience, and it changed how they saw the rest of their coming days. Uh, I think it brought them great joy for the rest of their lives, knowing that God was doing something wonderful, and they got to be involved in it. I think it brought great joy for the rest of their lives even though they didn't see it fully come to pass in every way. Um, so, so at the end of this story, we see that actually the, the words that are used are that they returned, glorify, they returned to the fields glorifying and praising God for all they'd seen. At a time like this in our lives, at a time like this in the pandemic where it's just stretching on and on and on for so long, uh, it's easy to feel cynical around Christmas time. I don't know if you've felt that. Frustration often leads to cynicism, but it's really easy to feel like, you know, things are difficult. Faith is not easy uh, in many ways at, for a time like this. But here's the thing. If we are cynical, if we are, are asking, what if this is not true, all this good news stuff? If we're asking that, what if it's not true, this, this good news for all people that will bring great joy? We also, if we want to be fair, we have to ask the question, what if it is? What if this is all true? What if this information that we are receiving 
in the presence of Jesus, that Jesus has come? What if God actually makes joy possible at any time, supernaturally? Am, am I willing to be brave enough to enter into a gift like that? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves during a time like this. Because the joy of the story, it doesn't just start with the birth of Jesus. It continues in a supernatural way, a way that's not normal, a way that's not circumstantial. Um, 30 years later, Jesus would come to be with his disciples in a really, really dark time. And this subject of great joy once again comes up during an especially difficult season, uh, or during an especially difficult conversation. It's in, it's in the book of John. In chapters 15 and 16, there's this long monologue from Jesus. And he's teaching his disciples. They're in the upper room. And he says, he says to them, um, and, and I want you to listen for the joy here, in John 15, verses 10 to 12. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Hear this, I've told you this, he says in verse 11. I've told you this, John 15, 11, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Okay, so he gives them this information and this information is about love. It's founded in love. It's founded in the fact that, that uh, Jesus loves them and he wants them to know it and he's given this command to them. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. I've told you these things so that you might have joy, you, that my joy, this is really important, my joy may be in you, my joy in you, and that your joy might be complete. Then in the following chapter, in, in chapter 16, Jesus, uh, after Jesus shares with his disciples that he's soon going to be taken away, they don't yet fully understand what's going on and that he's going to be killed, but he says this, and this is in John 16, 22 to 24. He says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Okay? So remember, this is before Jesus dies, and, but they're sensing that this whole thing is going downhill in the disciples' minds right now. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice. There's the first version of the word joy. And no one will take away your joy. And then he speaks a little bit about, about being bold before the Father, this asking and receiving. Anything that you ask in my name, um, I, I will, I will, well, the Father will give uh, to you. But, but the point is not about getting what we want. The point is that our, our hearts and lives will be so lined up with the kingdom that as we desire the kingdom, we will see it break into the world in our own lives and around us. But in verse 24 then of chapter 16 of John, until now you've not asked for anything, but ask and you will receive and again, here comes the joy. And your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. There's this whole idea that comes over and over again from Jesus that says there are ways that your joy can, can be actually complete. That, that your joy is not going to hinge on this thing or that thing or the other. But there can be fullness. And nobody can take that away. The, the statement that Jesus made here, it was, it was before the crucifixion, Right? That was before the crucifixion, but now we're on the other side. We're on the, we're on the PR stage, right? We're on, when post-resurrection, we are in the no-one-can-take-away-your-joy era of history. So Jesus talks to his disciples, and he says there's going to be something, and it's going to break your heart. But on the other side, there's going to be such joy that nobody will ever be able to take it away. 
We are in the no one can take away your joy era. And the reason that we need to point that out is, is crucial. And that's because God has given us this forever gift of God's love and presence. And honestly, that is a stronger force than anything else in all of creation. When you know something that good, you are able to weather any sort of storm. When with, and, and you can't just weather it, but you can actually walk through it even with joy still in your spirit. Because the root of joy is always found in love. So Jesus tells you, my love for you is perfect, disciples. My love for you is perfect. And, and, and he says, keep loving others as you've seen in me. And as you walk this path, two things are going to happen. I'm going to give you the gift of my joy. And you're going to receive your own joy that comes from loving others with God's love. And, and so it'll be like this double joy from the knowledge that you are absolutely loved and the experience of loving others. Those, those statements are about moving into a place of permanent and complete joy. Not joy that is fleeting, not joy that is circumstantial, but joy that changes how we see the world, that even changes how we see our painful moments. It's not that our pain lessens, not by any stretch. It's that our pain doesn't define the whole story that God is writing. Because God is with us, God has rescued us, God has dismantled even death, and God loves us. So I want, in, in light of all of that, in light of that knowledge, think about the shepherds receiving that knowledge. Think about, you know, the, the Bergens learning that, they, that joy is actually accessible beyond one day, right? The, I want to encourage you today to explore two avenues of these two avenues of joy that Jesus leads us into. The first one... Uh, is about remaining in God. And this is an interesting one because, because uh, when we talk about kind of remaining in God and Jesus says remain in my love and remain in the Father and just as I'm in him, I'll be in you. Um, what, what we really need to hear as I thought about this more is um, this idea of remaining in love is really about permission to receive. Wait, I-E. E-I. All right. Remaining in God is about being given permission to receive joy. Sit in the love of Jesus without accomplishing anything and just bask in the gift of it. That's what Jesus means when he says, remain in me. Find rest in my love. Stick close to me and I will be able to give my joy to you. You will experience that. This, this means that instead of trying to choose joy over and over again, which so many of us struggle with, right? You don't feel it. Well, I just got to grind it out. I got to choose joy again today. That's not the calling. The calling is to choose God again today. And later today, and later this evening, to continue to choose God, and then the gift of joy becomes accessible in a new way. Not to try to choose joy and grind it out, but to choose God and receive the gift, which we may not always feel if we're just trying to say, I've got to be joyful because it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, darn it. You know, that's not how this works. But, but within that, within that receiving of the gift, there's something interesting happening during the pandemic right now. And that is that when joy does come, we have a really conflicted relationship with it. And, and even guilt can start to rise up. And I don't know if you've experienced this or not. But you are allowed 
You are allowed to experience joy right now as God gives it. We've, we've gone so, so far down the path that, to, that 2020 is just a dumpster fire that sometimes we don't think that we are even allowed to experience joy because that's just not, that's like, that's not the vibe for 2020, right? It's not the right vibe. And so, so we don't know that God has actually given us that gift. And so when the moments come, we kind of push it away or we don't even think that we can share it or talk about it or maybe even fully receive it. Uh, this is a big, a big deal. You know, you are allowed to experience and share joy as God gives it. You are worthy to experience joy. You, you, you need permission to know that joy is accessible and not just at Trollstice, but any time. This, this season of Advent and, and eventually Christmas, this wonder of God joining in God's own creation is like the most joyful thing that we can imagine. Okay? Uh, it's, it's this revealing of the wonder of God joining in God's own creation. Right? It's, it's the joy of an immaculate birth that would bring the end of death as separation. It's the revealing of God's heart for the poor and those who are suffering by entering into their struggle. It's the experience of how precious and beautiful all of life is and the whole earth is and our relationships are. These are the things that fill us with incredible joy. When you experience that, when you receive that, don't shy away from it personally or interpersonally. Share it. We do so well sometimes with this church at mourning with those who mourn. We do a really good job in listening to Paul's uh, challenge to the Romans and, and in, in sitting with people in their pain. That's a strength of ours. Let's do the other just as well. Let's dive into each other's joy and rejoice with those who rejoice without feeling guilty of having a great day and being so aware of the incredible love and grace of God. Have you ever laughed at a funeral? And I, I don't mean inappropriately. I, I mean, like, after a wonderful memory is shared or a joke is told of, of a loved one um, or, or the experience of seeing people that you love gathered into one place, even though it's difficult circumstances, also at the same time just makes you want to bubble up with joy. And, and, and there's this weird, am I allowed to feel this feeling that comes up in a moment like that? There's this weird moment when you know it's, it's kind of a time of mourning, but there's also joy available. And am I allowed to feel that or do I need to push that away? Like you have to, like what are the rules here? You have to keep joy in check because you're not sure what the rules are. But guess what? The rules are yes, absolutely. You are allowed to experience that joy. You are given permission. Then and here. Yes, there is so much pain, but that's why the joy that comes from knowing the presence of God is with us. That's why it's such a gift, because there is pain in our world. That's why joy is supernatural. That's why it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? And so, so we need to feel it. We need to share it. We need to give each other permission to say how wonderful life is and how wonderful God is, even when it's hard. That's one way that we keep the faith. You have permission to receive joy any time from God. It is God's gift to you. And it's not circumstantial. 
It's miraculous. Paul says to this, we'll wrap up this point here. Paul writes in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Okay? It's not just circumstantial. If you have enough or not. It's, it's, it's beyond all of that. It's even bigger. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? The kingdom of God is about righteousness, right ways of living, but at the same time, peace and joy in your spirit. In the Holy Spirit. God makes that possible in his kingdom. What a gift that is. So, the first is about having permission to receive. Alright? So this is about being allowed to receive as God brings something. All right. Um, Receive God's gift of joy. The second thing that Jesus talks about then is about keeping his command to love. All right? So if the first is a permission to receive joy, the second is an invitation to create it. All right? Hopefully you can see this. Somebody can type it into the chat box if you can. So the first is about a permission to receive joy, but the second is about an invitation to create joy. And there the arrows are moving from us and not toward us. Um, our love and encouragement, this is one of the coolest things, friends, about, about the nature of, of the kingdom of God and what the scriptures reveal and who Jesus is. Our love and encouragement opens the door for God's joy to run in both directions, okay? Uh, When we participate in loving actions, Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, your joy will be made complete. And my commandment is to love people, (gasps) to love one another. Somehow, your joy will be able to be complete, which is is paradoxical. Um, But but when we participate in loving actions, joy is generated in profound ways. Let's talk, about the first, let's talk about the external way. It's generated in profound ways that help people overcome all sorts of struggles. Again, Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he's been through a whole lot at this point. We won't get into all of it. But he writes this in uh, chapter 7, verses 4 to 7. He says, I'm greatly encouraged in all my troubles, my joy knows no bounds. All right, what a great sentence. In all my troubles... My joy knows no bounds. You hear how this is a gift, right? But here, listen to where that source of joy comes from. This is where it gets really beautiful. Uh, For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. We were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. By the way, beautiful honesty there from Paul. Absolutely beautiful honesty. Conflicts on the outside, fears within, whether he means within their own group or within himself personally. He's saying, it was just tough. I was far from perfect. I had, we had insecurities. It was a struggle. But God, verse 6, so this is uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 6. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. Here's what's so cool. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Paul says, the source of my joy is knowing how much you love. That made my joy greater than ever, greater than you can imagine, knowing that you love me, knowing that I am loved, Paul says, brought me such great joy that it's almost hard to even describe. 
Greater than ever. What a phrase. Greater than ever. I love that. Simply by the knowledge that others care deeply, we can learn so much from a moment like this. So much. Why do we stay silent so often when we love people? Why, why don't we express it more? Why don't we let people know how much they matter to us? We have such an opportunity, such a calling to be joy creators in the world through loving actions. And the wild thing is that it goes in both ways. On one side, it makes sense, right? Being loved, if you've been on this receiving end, is so powerful and, and feeling loved by others ought to bring us joy. We know it. It's incredible to know that you matter to somebody, to know that you matter to God. It, it, it's this joy-filling thing no matter what your circumstances. The surprising thing, however, is that the experience of joy is equally true in the reverse direction. When we love people selflessly, God has wired us so that we are absolutely captured by joy. When we're the lovers, when we're the ones loving others, we get joy too. Like, massive amounts of it. <laughs> in fact, in fact um, studies have actually shown the, the, this happiness quotient and happiness factor, you gain actually more joy by giving love, by being generous, by doing something in, in a servant heart out there than you do by receiving something. Both of them lift your spirits. Both of them bring joy. But God's actually wired us and created us in such a way that we gain even more joy from the giving than the receiving, which is so profound. It's, it's so backwards. It's so upside-down kingdom stuff. Uh, it's, it's just awesome. It wouldn't have to be like that. It's one of those extra things that God added into human beings just to affirm that we're on the right track when we care for others. Uh, so when we, when we create joy by loving others, when we receive that invitation where Jesus says, listen to my command, and my command is simply love really well, authentically. Remain in me and listen to my command to love others. And, the, and your joy will be complete because my joy will be available to you and your joy will be built up in new ways. And so we, we receive this, um, or we have this permission to receive the gift of joy with absolutely nothing required of us whatsoever. To just delight in it. To just sit there and know that we matter and that we're loved. And we have this challenge, this invitation to go and be joy creators in the world, which ironically brings joy to the recipient and joy to the giver. This is so, so hopeful. Don't get tired, friends. Don't get tired. Find a way to love somebody practically and selflessly this week. Send a gift. Write a note. Help a friend. Make a meal for Family Promise Week, which is coming up right here. Send a meal to a family in our church that's overwhelmed right now. Bake cookies for a neighbor. Leave it on their doorstep. Maybe sign it. Maybe don't. Although if you don't sign it, they might think you're trying to poison them because people are really cynical these days so probably sign it go ahead and sign it um, a neighbor of ours recently created an 80 foot indoor train display okay he loves trains and he and he set up this this incredible train display in our neighborhood and they they made it so that it's perfectly viewable from their front window and they invited people anytime in the evening to walk right up onto their lawn and peer inside their house just to get the joy of seeing it I assume they're not like hanging out in that same room and watching TV. We're going to do it this week. But, but the way, and it was announced on our, on our neighborhood uh, next door site. But, but 
the, the way it was written was so joyful. Like, I am so excited to share this with all of you. Please, if, if it's been a tough time because you can't be inside with others as much, come and stand outside my house, look in my window. We've created this beautiful experience for you. And you can see how joyful it was to the ones giving. And I guarantee it's joyful to the ones walking up with their children and getting to see this beautiful train set up. Or, not children, just anybody seeing uh, something fun and festive and beautiful. Like, it, it does something. It brings great joy. Listen, when we are filled with Christ, joy will always be possible when we live, as we live. When we are filled with Christ, joy will always be possible as we live. And when we are filled with love, joy will always be possible as we give. I know that rhymes, but I'm, I'm trying to be really serious about that. When we're filled with Christ, joy will always be possible as we live. And when we're filled with love and loving actions, joy will always be possible as we give, as we send it out into the world. Tis the season to be joyful. But so is January and February and March and April and May and June and July and August and September and October and November. And so let's embrace the gift that God has given us because God wants to give that to us. Um, I pray for the courage for each of us to receive and give joy in, uh, in this sort of a way. Jesus is coming. so Let's... Just pray for a moment, and then we're going to give you five simple minutes in three breakout rooms uh, where you do not have to share by any stretch. But if you'd like to, you can respond to what is stirring in you as you consider the season of joy right now with fresh eyes. And uh, in this coming week, where do you need to hear Jesus speaking permission to receive or the invitation to create uh, this week for you more? Um, where, where does the emphasis need to be? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful and thankful for the fact that you offer us something that is transcendent beyond our circumstances because you love us and you've joined us and you want to redeem us and rescue us and save us and lead us into your kingdom now and forever. Help that knowledge, that awareness, that experience to change us from this day forth in a new way again. Even as we walk a challenging path. Together. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.